Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Ice Cold Takes podcast. I'm your host, Joey DeMeglio, and this week I'm joined by Saps, a fellow Ranger fan and content creator. And today he's here to make some predictions for the Rangers as preseason is only a couple weeks away. Thanks for joining me, man. How are you? Thanks for having me, Joe. Really excited to have you on. I know you do the Ranger reaction videos, and uh, those have been a hit, I, I feel like, in my opinion. Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure, like, during the playoffs this past year, you had some crazy reactions, right? Because absolutely, uh, yeah. Like the, that that run against, you know, specifically that Penguins series. I'm thinking about. You're on the edge of your seat. You don't know what's gonna happen. And then like game sevens in overtime. Uh, that was that was nuts. So I'm sure you had a lot of a lot of stuff, to, a lot of content to push out at that time. As yeah, did I. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you don't really think about it too much when you're uh, like you know, when you're deep into the series and like you know, it's the third period of a game and then like you see the camera and it's like, you know, gotta you gotta do the, the editing after the third and all that and then, you know, for some of the overtimes that series. Yeah, that series was crazy. Um a lot of ups and downs. Uh the reactions were really good in most of them, uh in most of the videos. Um you know, a lot of fans seem to flock to like the negative stuff too, if like the Rangers lose. Like the first game of the series, um it just it did so well. Uh in terms of like views and like uh attention people loved it so and then the whole series was just fantastic that first round against pittsburgh so yeah that was a fun series how high was your leg kick when panarin scored that overtime winner <laughs> um it was high probably above my head um there's been a few last season i did a few that were just uh yeah, i'm afraid i'm gonna pull a hamstring next time if i don't yeah. stretch before <laughs> yeah i know i see you on the on the commercials all the time and oh my gosh it's great i love it so much <laughs> they, they've been through they i even saw a commercial of you like like in the crowd at msg yeah yeah like, um they've used the one in the crowd i love that one because my brother anthony's next to me but they kind of they kind of cut him out a little bit so you can't really tell that it's <laughs> him, but, but you can tell that it's me so i always i always give a little for him on that one. But yeah, the, the one in the crowd is awesome. I love that video. That's from opening night in 2019 against the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, 6-4 win at the Garden. So yeah, they've used that for a few things. I'm just, you know, I'm very grateful that MSG, uh, the network and, you know, MSG itself, you know, allows my videos to just, you know, be on the channel and they can use my face to promote all they want. You know, it's a dream come true, honestly. Yeah. It's, uh, it's awesome. Of course. Yeah, man. And how did you start the YouTube channel? I mean, as a kid, you know, growing up, you know, you're, of course, you know, I was a hockey fan, but, you know, I was a YouTube fan as well. So, you know, growing up, of course, I wanted to be a Minecraft YouTuber. I don't know if that was just me, but I'm sure a lot of people wanted to be that as well. So started off as that. Uh, that channel never worked out. I did some gaming videos along that route when I was like a freshman in high school. Uh, 2014, I did NHL 14 videos. Those did really well. Um, never really took off in the way that, you know, I wanted it to, but you know, I wasn't really passionate about it, but, um, around eighth or ninth grade, I saw a, uh, a reaction video, very similar to the ones I do now Bruins Maple Leafs. It's a group of Maple Leafs <laughs> fans and it's the collapse of game seven. Uh, that video, I think has like over a million views, but I watched it like around the time it first came out when the Leafs, you know, lost that four to one lead in the third period of Boston eventually got knocked out in overtime. Um, so I started it because I was really inspired by those guys. Um, 
And then, I mean, mostly for the reaction videos, yeah, I started out that way. But um, for, like, the analytical videos and, you know, the videos I do speaking to the camera, Steve Dangle, you know, it's funny, I go the Maple Leafs route again. But Steve Dangle, man, huge inspiration for me. I just wanted to do it one day. Um, you know, I really – I didn't really care about um, – you know, I still kind of really don't care about, like, views and attention that in that sort. But um, I love doing them. I love sitting down, family in the room, friends in the room, watching Rangers and – it's just there's nothing better than being able to capture genuine reaction and uploading it for the world to see. It's pretty cool. I have a theory about about the reaction people, the content creators that that do the the reactions for whether it's the Rangers, the Mets, the Jets, whatever your favorite sports team is. There's always got to be that one guy that's notable, like that guy that is representative of the the team. I hate to use this guy's name, but like, but because before he he did like the bad thing, the EDP for for the Eagles, like that guy was the guy for the Eagles. KFC from Barstool is the guy for the Jets. Uh, Frank the Tank Fleming is the guy for the Mets. You're the guy for the Rangers. <laughs> oh, that's a compliment, man. <laughs> you got it. That's that's my theory. Like you, you have to. It, you got to have one of those guys, at least one of those guys where they're going to do the reactions for, for the favorite team. You know, Frank, the, Frank, the tank, you know, he's had so many viral ones. And then even John boy for the Yankees, like he's still, I remember when he started those breakdown videos, he's the, like one of the biggest content producers for, for Yankees fans. I feel like. That's first of all, that's a very good compliment. So thank you for that, Joe. No problem. Um, that's a high compliment. I'll take that. Uh, yeah. The Yankees guys. Yeah. Josie. Josie McFly as well. He, I think he's definitely uh, a big uh, Yankee guy and John Boy as well. Yeah, that, thank you. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. Yeah, and <laughs> NHL 14 to this day is probably still my favorite NHL game. That's the oh. one I devoted the most time to. It's probably the last great NHL game I've played. Yeah. I don't have a lot of faith for uh, the next titles of, of EA Sports of NHL. I haven't. I didn't buy NHL 22, and I don't think I'm going to buy NHL 23. Yeah, I, I bought NHL 22 for the Xbox One, but I don't have the new consoles. And I feel like, you know, remember, I don't know if you remember, but from NHL 14 to 15, it was the transfer to Xbox One. Of course, how can I forget? So mm -hmm. they, like, you know, they gave all the new stuff on the new console, on the next-gen console, um, and then on the old console, which I still had, I had the 360 at the time, I didn't have the one, I got NHL 15, and it was the same game as NHL 14, like legitimately the same game. Um, so, yeah, I'm probably not going to get NHL 23 either. Yeah, NHL 15 on 360 was like a copy-paste of the roster, updated mechanics, it, it was way, it was still better than the one on Xbox One because they just took everything out of that game. There was nothing. Yeah. Yeah, the jump from 14 to 15, from old gen to new gen at the time, from 360 to the Xbox One or PlayStation 3 to PS4, um, that was a huge jump, yeah. That was a really big jump, and they kind of revamped the whole game. Who knows if it was for better, but I like the old gen games 100% better. Yeah, I remember they were hyping up the presentation, like Doc Emmerich. You, like the, the first teaser trailer came in around the time the Rangers were in the finals or in the, at least in the Eastern Conference Finals that year, because that was the year they went to the Finals against the Kings and ultimately lost. Uh, still a sour subject for, uh, for Rangers fans, myself included. Um, but, yeah, I remember that the hype for that, and it just was so disappointing. Um, but, yeah, probably never going to buy another EA Sports uh, NHL game. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I'm, I'm going to probably be the same way, honestly. I, I don't really have time to play video games either. You know, I'll try to when I can, but I don't know if I just want to buy a brand new game to not enjoy, you know? Yeah, it's better to just do reaction videos for the Rangers and, <laughs> you know, talk about the Rangers in, in my my case. And speaking of that, we'll get into we'll get into that Rangers talk, the re- predictions for the season. Obviously, rookie camp is underway. There's games this weekend. I wonder if MSG is going to televise those games. Not that I'll be able to see anyways because I don't have it in my area. Uh, I know some people were helping me out trying to find a way to, to stream MSG this season. But uh, what do you think What do you think about the Rangers heading into this year? Yeah, I think the um... – you know, I, I've seen a lot of people say that, you know, the team on paper isn't as good as they were last year. Um, uh, after the trade deadline on paper, that team was definitely better than the one going into camp this year. But another year of Alexei Lafreniere of development, another summer for him, Capo Caco, Keandre Miller, Adam Fox is still very young. He's still developing into a great defenseman. Um, so maybe the team on paper might be a little bit better last season, but it's definitely a little more you know, mature this season coming in playoff experience last year helped as well. Um, I think, I think it's going to be a very good season for the New York Rangers. Um, you know, I've been doing my player previews for each individual player uh, up on my channel. And, you know, it seems like every player I'm talking about it, you know, they had a career year last year. Um, what can they do to maybe, you know, meet that or top it again? Not sure if, you know, points wise those guys can get to the numbers they went to you know Panarin 90 plus points almost 100 points Zibanejad point a game 81 and 81 Chris Kreider 52 goals Igor with you know his insane season but I think that I think there's just something different about this Rangers team coming in this year because they knew they were so close last year and beating the team that won the Stanley Cup twice I think they were so close last year that they taste it now I think that like I said before, with the younger players, another year of development, those guys are so important to this team. I know, you know, a lot of people like to joke around about the Capococco and Alexei Lafreniere busts, but they might not get out of that Pittsburgh series if it's not for Hita, Lafreniere, and Kako. Uh-huh. So, in my opinion, I think those guys, if they can all take the next step, we might not need 52 goals from Chris Kreider. We might not need 90-plus points from Artemi Panarin. I think that if they can solidify in front of their net a little bit better – um, you know, team defense overall. I think Vincent Trocheck coming in helps that as well. He also wins a lot of faceoffs, which is something the Rangers have struggled with for so long. Um, I just think I think this team is going to be a little bit different than they were last year. I still think they're going to score some goals. I'm hoping the five on five play gets better and the team defense gets better as well. I think people are also you know overhyping that oh we lost Cop, we lost Mott, Vetrano, all those guys. Braun isn't here anymore, but the majority of the team is still the same. And I look at it as Kako, Lafreniere, Heedle are all going to be better players this coming year than they were last year. And they're going to effectively be the replacements for Cobb, Ma, and Vetrano. Like, I think production-wise, the points will come. If they play the way that they played in the playoffs, those guys will start getting more points. It's very frustrating for us fans for in the first two years of Lafreniere, first three years for Kako, and first four or five years for, for Heedle to not see like that Jack Hughes style breakout. You know what I mean? Be the point per game player, be the guy of that team. And I think the points will come soon. And I'm hope we're we're all hopeful that it's this year. We keep saying that, oh, this is the year, this is the year. But you know what? They they actually gave us a reason to believe that 
in the playoffs. And I think this is a a big a big uh, opportunity, I guess you could say, for uh, for guys like Kako and Heedle and even Kravtsov, who didn't even get to play for the Rangers last year, who bounced up and down. He was in the KHL training camp. You know what I mean? Like that. He didn't. That whole scenario, shenanigans, things, whatever you want to call it. Um, we'll get. We'll see what he does. And now Blay is actually healthy too. And I'm. I'm excited to see what he could do because he looked pretty good last year. He didn't score a goal, but he played pretty well in in that bottom six. Hopefully, they just don't try him too often in the in the top six. Yeah, yeah. I was actually gonna. I, I like the point you made about you know Hedl, Kako, and Lafreniere becoming those replacements for the guys that they lost at the deadline. I really, you know, I truly believe that they, you know, they tried keeping Andrew Cop, sure, but I, I just, I don't. I like that they didn't bring those guys back because if they do bring those guys back, the kids, you know, like where are they gonna play? You just mentioned mm-hmm. Sam. You just mentioned Sammy Blay. I, I like. I, I know you probably don't want to see him in the top six because of Lafreniere and Kako on that right side. Those are those are their spots. Um, but you know, you had Craig Berube on last week, and he was talking about how Sammy Blay. You know, he can. He definitely has the potential to score goals, and he plays a tough game. I don't know. Maybe I'm just saying. If he ends up in the top six, I think he's kind of the only guy that I wouldn't mind playing in the top six over Lafreniere and Kako, just because if he is 100% healthy, I like the way he can play. And with Kreider, Zabanajad, or Panarin, Chocek, I think he fits so well in that top six. Just as long as it's not Hunter or uh, Jimmy Vesey, eh? Yeah, Jimmy V's back on real. Yeah, um, as long as it's not those two. Honestly, I, I you know, if I have the player preview of Dryden Hunt coming up in a couple weeks. I like him as a bottom six guy. I you know Absolutely. I don't want to I don't want to see him in the top six. You know I just don't think he's good enough to play with Panarin. Um, but yeah, Dryden Hunt I really like him as a bottom six guy. He was the most effective down there. Let's be honest. You know he wasn't really you know wasn't put up insane points with Panarin. Um, but I really think he played a good uh, a good third and fourth line game. Yeah, in the beginning of last year, I remember that fourth line got a whole bunch of chances and. I think the biggest reason for why they had so many chances and why they had so much possession of the puck in the offensive zone was because of Hunt. He always had the puck. Always. Like behind the net, he was controlling it. He was setting people up, dishing dishing it out to his, his teammates. I think he's much better suited for the bottom six, especially the fourth line. I agree with you there, 100%. As, um, okay, so let's say let's go into some predictions here. Who do you think is going to lead the Rangers in, in goals this year? I'll I'll say Panarin. All right, goal scored. I'll go with Mika Zibanejad. All right, yeah, you can't go wrong there. Like, uh, you, you, there's a number of options there. I think between Panarin, Kreider, and uh, Zibanejad, it's just a toss. It's a, it's just a toss up. We got to see Panarin shoot more this year, 100. percent He only had like 20 something goals to like 70 something assists last year, which is unreal. Like that doesn't happen for a winger. 100. percent Yeah. Yeah, they he the Rangers need him to shoot the puck more, and hopefully that power play could stay could stay lead. I'm I'm interested to see how what Gallant do does on uh, PP one with now that Strom's gone. Is he just gonna throw in Trocheck there or I don't Lafreniere? Yeah, I don't see Trocheck going there simply because they want Trocheck to play more of a two way game, and he's gonna be on the penalty kill. He's gonna have enough of that ice time. I don't think they want him playing 25 minutes a night, you know. So I think Lafreniere might get a chance. I think it's whoever starts on the top six. So I think it'll be like Zabanajad. Uh, the power play one will be like Kreider, Zabanajad, Panarin, Fox. 
So that's what four. Crowder's manager, Panarin Fox. That's the four. And then the fifth guy, I think it might end up being Lafreniere. But I wouldn't be surprised if you see a guy like Capocaco or Sammy Blay, a little more, you know, toughness to their game. Like, you know, who can work the inside of the net, inside of the zone. Um, I'm not saying Lafreniere can't do that. <clears throat> Excuse me. But I think Kako and Blay are a little more suited for the, like that puck possession uh, in mm-hmm. the offensive zone than Lafreniere. I think Lafreniere is a pure playmaking guy, and I think we're going to see that a lot this year. But I could definitely see Blay and Kako getting a chance on PP1. I always say that Kako is a beast in the corner boards with the, with the puck. Like He's just impossible to defend. He bounces off defenders so easily. They have such a hard time with him. And I always say, like, listen, Rangers, when, when the Kako has the puck like that in the corner, you better get your ass open because he's going he's gonna to be able to find you for a pass eventually. Yeah, that guy wins battles. And when he when the Rangers first drafted him, they were comparing him to Miko Ranton. And I was like, sure, yeah, I was like, that makes sense, sure. Um, but I was like, this guy's like could be like the next Chris Kreider for the Rangers with a more upside, simply because they're both bigger guys, they're strong guys, they know how to use their body to protect themselves from the puck and the defenders. So, like, you know, why not? All right. Who leads the Rangers in points this year? Um I'll go Panarin on that one. Yeah. yeah. I think Panarin, I mean, the guy's so good. He's mm-hmm. so good. So I, I don't see him. Um, offensively, honestly, if anyone's going to repeat from what they did last year, I think it's going to be Panarin. Yeah, honestly. And he's, he's done, he's been well worth that contract the Rangers gave him. Like, I don't, I don't care if it's, if it's, if it makes it tight, the cap space, uh, it's just, it's worth it. A hundred points, take it to the bank every single year, basically 90 to a hundred every single year. If, if they were full seasons, he'd have a hundred in each of is like first three with the Rangers. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, you also have to remember, you know, him and Kako and even Adam Fox, their first season was as, as first seasons as Rangers was shortened due to COVID stoppage. Mm-hmm. Then the next season was a shortened schedule. And then, you know, last year was their full actual 82 game season as New York Rangers. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and then playoffs too. Don't forget that. That's like lots and lots of playing time. Not a lot of time off. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think the schedule last year was also a lot tighter because it started later, if I'm not mistaken. Well, uh, yeah, I think what the NHL wanted to do was try to end the season as quickly as possible so that, you know, their July 1st free agency was pushed, I think, by two weeks. So I think it was like July 14th mm-hmm. uh, free agency opened up this year. Um, so, yeah, I think they were playing like every other day in April, right? Like they had like mm-hmm. 15, 16 games in April. Yeah, at the end in the playoffs again, twenty games in forty days, and that's basically what it boiled down to to why the Rangers came up short in the Eastern Conference Finals. And you can't convince me otherwise. Like that, just they looked a little bit, they looked slow in comparison to Tampa Bay once they found their wheels. I know you could say like, okay, Trooper shouldn't have taken that penalty in Game Three, but like after that, it was just all Tampa Bay. Yeah, you can nitpick all you want there, but it, it really, you know, after I even think in game two, the Rangers are trying, like, we're starting to let the foot off the gas a little bit. And there's nothing you can do, man. Yep. You know, we, we see that with teams all the time. They run out of gas. They're looking really good. You know, good goaltending and, you know, uh, opportunistic scoring can only lead you so far. You know, you got to end up playing those games and you got to give credit to Tampa Bay, man. They know how to play those games. They've been there before. So honestly, I think it's, uh, I was very grateful for how far the Rangers went. It really did stink, though, that you know they couldn't get over that hump. And uh, <laughs> I don't know if they would have beat Colorado, but being in the Stanley Cup final would have just been incredible. 
Yeah, and I looked at I looked at it as like uh, there's a room to grow. As in, you know, we didn't get knocked out the first round, and and you know, in five games or whatever, and we'd have to reassess. And uh, kind of like I didn't want it to be like a roadblock where like like the Capitals who never got past the second round, or the Blues that never got to the Stanley Cup Finals, and or the Predators that never got to the Stanley Cup Finals, or like the Sharks that never got to the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, I didn't want that to to happen with the Rangers, and they they there is room to grow this year. Like, I mean, obviously there's room for disappointment too. Yeah, if they don't make it to the that's a that's far that that's far that they have to go back to. But you know, there's still a lot that they could build on Lafreniere, uh, Hedl, Kako. Those guys could step it up. Panarin could score more goals this year. Like, and the bottom six too. Like, we we could have you know more balance there. I think I think the lineup has been lengthened now. Now we have Kravtsov and play there. So I'm interested to see what happens with that. And now Carpenter too. I've heard he's, I've heard really good things about him. Uh, so I'm excited to see what he's, what he's all about. Preseason can't come soon enough. Yeah. At that right, Joe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in terms of like a record for this year, do you think the Rangers crack 50 wins? Um, I think it's possible. I do. Um, it's funny. I think the Metropolitan got you know a little bit better. I don't think the Islanders are going to be as bad as they were last year. Um, I think Columbus took a step up. They got Johnny Goudreau, one of the best playmakers in the game. So I think that all. I think the you know the teams who weren't as good last year. I think that's going to have effect on the Rangers' record this year. You know, I don't know. I'm you know that's like kind of thinking too much into it. But I I do think 100 points would be ideal for the Rangers. I think it's possible for the Rangers. Um, I'll take a, I'll take a playoff spot. <laughs> yeah. I think the Rangers are going to make the playoffs this year. They're too good not to, unless there's a huge, there's multiple injuries. Let's just knock on wood right there. Like, you know, we, we were very fortunate last year. Not enough people talk about this, that the core of, of the defenders, like Fox, Truba and Miller, those guys, they all stayed healthy throughout the year. And uh, it'll be, I, I don't know. It, it should happen again this year, question mark. But like, if it doesn't, then, you know, it, it might be tough to reach 100 points. But if everybody stays healthy this year, obviously the big injury for us last year was Sammy Blay with the ACL injury. Uh, I see. I say 100 points this year for the Rangers. 50 wins. 50 wins, they could do that. It's just start, they have Shesterkin back there. If he's getting 60-plus 60, 60 games, then, yeah, he's going to – I think he's, he's going to pull most of the weight there. Yeah, um, I think if I don't know, I see the thing is to me, I just I don't know if Igor can do another sixty games. Um, not saying that he's you know not capable of it. It's just he's never done it before in the NHL, and then he played. So what do you, I think he played fifty two games last year in the regular season, then another twenty in the postseason. So it's you know seventy games over mm-hmm. the course from uh, you know, and obviously yeah, the preseason too. So September to you know, June, yeah, beginning of June, you had 70 games played. I think he could do it, but um, I think this team's success relies heavily on Igor Shosturkin. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I've said it multiple times. People are going to be like, oh, you're saying it again. But if the Rangers didn't have Igor Shosturkin, we'd be competing for first overall pick last year. Like, that's how many games he kept us in. That's how many games he won us. And you could look at the analytics or whatever. They'll back it up. They'll back up what I'm saying. The guy was just unreal. There's a reason why he was in conversation for uh, the Hart Memorial Trophy. Yep. He was insane last year. He was incredible. And it doesn't have to be like he has to put up the exact same numbers as last year. No, that's not not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying, like, 
he'll be good enough for I think he could make it through 50 games. And if he can't, if he gets tired, if the workload's too much, there's options for backups to give him some time off. Like well, yeah, we have yeah. to man get Halak is a is a really good I'm glad they they went with Halak as the veteran presence. He's been there. He's been in deep playoff runs before with Montreal. He's played with St. Louis. Like the guy's been there. He's done that. He's a good goalie. Yeah, that's why I was really happy when they got a guy like Halak, simply because of that experience. But also, he only started 14 games last year, so he's a little more fresher than some of the backups around the league. I also think he's a little more reliable than Alexander Georgiev. I loved Georgie. I thought he was a very good goaltender. thought he got a little too much slack from the fans, but I think Halak coming in is definitely a little more uh, consistent than Georgiev. Um, yeah, I mean, Igor... There's just something different about Igor Shosturkin that you don't see with a lot of goaltenders around the NHL, man. This guy's got something special, and I think if a guy can carry the team to a Stanley Cup, it's him. Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. There's something about him that just stands out. I don't know if it's, I mean, between his personality and you know what he does in games, like his focus, the wave when he said bye to the to the Penguins going off the ice, stuff like that. You know, people try to troll him. He just has none of it. Like, yeah, he's a brick wall when it comes to that stuff. That's important, too. You have to be mentally tough, too. It's just like, you know, in between whistles, someone might say something to you in Russian. I don't know. Maybe somebody knows Russian. You never know. But I feel like he's mentally steady enough to just uh, to hold the hold the brick wall up, especially in New York with, with all the criticism and stuff. Everybody loves him, though, so he could do no wrong, in my opinion. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> uh, hopefully, he scores a goal this year. That'd be incredible. That'd yeah. be one. Of, that'd probably one of be one of the most uh, watched reaction videos if I were able to get that one on. Yeah, I almost lost my mind when he when he was like about like a couple inches from doing that in, in Ottawa. Like, oh my gosh, that was that was crazy. <laughs> that was nuts. Uh, last thing to predict, I guess, place in the standings. I don't want to say first place, but. I don't know. I could see them being first place. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think they're good enough to win the division. Um, you know, of course, I mean, it's an 82-game season. The season's long. Um, I don't I don't know if – honestly, I feel like every year I come, out, like I come out and say, you know, Pittsburgh and Washington aren't going to be as good as they were because they're getting older. I don't think their team is deep enough, but then they always surprise me. I could see the Rangers winning the division, but I can also see them becoming, you know, second or third by very close margins. Um, and I think that'll end up coming down to the last few games of the season. Um, you know, those divisional games are so important, especially later on. You know, the Rangers lost a game. Um, I think it was the same game Kreider scored his 50th goal with like 40 seconds left. They were losing 3-1. to one. They ended up losing 3-2. to two. They lost that game, and that en- ultimately ended up um, giving Carolina the division yeah. over the Rangers. So, like, you know, those games are so important. So I can see them becoming second or third. would love for them to win the division, though. Pittsburgh with Pittsburgh, Crosby and and Mike Sullivan are gonna have to see the best chiropractor in the world when those guys are called quits, like because they are carrying the crap out of that that franchise right now. Like just they had they've had so many injuries. Like you look at their bottom six, it's just who the hell is this guy on here? Like they have Brian Boyle still playing. I mean the guy I love Boyle, but like. It's just a non-ideal roster that they have, and they're still winning games. They're still getting the job done. Like, the defenders aren't out of this world great, but, I don't know, Mike Sullivan's just a great coach. And then Ovechkin, too, is just, he's going to have to see, like, he's going to have to get, like, acupuncture or some crap. (laughs) Like, 
when he breaks Gretzky's goal record, which I'm hoping he does, I, I want to see that. Um, I think he will. Yeah. I, I think he does. He keep, he could, he, I, I don't know how old he is now. He's mid thirties, but like he's, if he's still putting up 50 goal seasons, like he's got that man. He's yeah, I think it. he does that. I think he does that. And I think he does it like in three years. I think he does. I think he has like 50, 40, 50 every season. And he's got it. So as long as he stays healthy and, you know, conditions himself well, which I don't think is an issue for him. He seems like a pretty hungry guy to, you know, to not like take it, take a day off or whatever, take a summer off. Uh, he's still in it. He's still in it. And he's still the best goal scorer, in my opinion, in, in the in the league. He's, pure goal scorer. Yeah, he's the best pure goal scorer I'll probably and you and I will probably ever lay our eyes on. I don't think anyone's getting close to the way that he changed the game. You know, there's guys that are around the NHL like Line A. I'll even say Matthews. Yeah, Matthews. Who yeah. score goals the way they do because they grew up watching the grade eight score goals. Simple. Like right. he he revolutionized the way that goal scoring is in the NHL. Right. There's not there, – I'll agree with you on that. Not another one that's going to be like him. Matthews maybe like, in terms of the, his shot. Like, Matthews' shot, for especially for a center, is outstanding. It's incredible. He's got so much power behind his wristers. It's great. Um, yeah, I think, I think Matthews is, like, the next great. You know, I think he's the next one to, like, to kind of change the game and the way that he plays as well. Because there's a few things that you watch him do, and it's like, I'd never seen that before. The way he changes the angle on the shot – you know, the way he had the, just the power that comes off of his stick is insane. Like, it's Ovechkin like, really. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right. So moving into our next set of questions. Is Zach Jones that guy? Um, you know, the third left D spot is up for grabs. You got Nils Lundqvist that is requesting a trade, not requesting a trade, saying it but not saying it. He's probably not going to report the camp. If if uh, if you read that article from Larry Brooks, that's that's what he said. It's unlikely that he's going to report to to preseason, um, which is kind of shocking, but also kind of isn't because he's good enough to be in the NHL, but. He's not good enough to be on the Rangers. Does that really make sense? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. See, the thing is, I mean, I don't know. Maybe this is the way I was raised and I was, you know, yeah, I grew up, but nothing's given to you, man. You got to work for everything. So I definitely see his frustration with, you know, him not being in the NHL last year. But I mean, there's nothing, in my opinion, there's nothing that you can do to hurt your case more by like, talking bad about you know the organization i'm not saying he did that but asking for a trade essentially and saying that i'm not going to report to camp what do you have one training camp like a full training camp here last year like come on man you're you're only here one season i definitely understand his frustration because i do think he definitely deserves to play over guys like patrick nemeth it is a business i completely understand why nemeth played over longquist in situations but you know i I don't think longquist 
deserves to be saying I want out, but I understand, you know, I just, it is what it is there. Um, but back to your original question, I think Zach Jones is absolutely that guy. I think he's going to be the Rangers sixth defenseman. I, I mean, I don't think Hayek, I, I mean, unless he absolutely blows away Galant's uh, eyes in camp, I don't think he's going to be the sixth guy. I think Zach Jones, he said he put on 10 pounds as well, which was mm-hmm. awesome to see. Um, so a little stronger, which was a problem, but honestly, I don't think it's that much of a problem for me. You see guys all around the league who are light. I mean, he was weighing in a 170, pretty, pretty small for a defenseman, I will admit, but he's a very quick skater. I watched him, uh, last year in Hartford. I went to, uh, Bridgeport, uh, Connecticut to go watch the Bridgeport Sound Tigers and the Hartford Wolfpack. And I saw Zach Jones playing and the guy was flying. Like mm-hmm. that guy was flying up the ice with and without the puck. He was be able to get back in the defensive zone quick. Um, and it's funny because I mentioned it in my player preview. His player preview hasn't gone up yet, but I think he would fit perfectly with Braden Schneider. Braden Schneider's that stay at home kind of guy. Um, I don't think he needs a veteran on his side to really, you know, to explode Braden Schneider's potential. I think he's fine with playing like a younger guy like Zach Jones. I think they complement each other really well as you know, also. Um, but the thing is to me also, why not Nils Longquist? Why give him a shot? If he has a really good training camp, if he even goes to training camp, which is unfortunate because mm-hmm. I really think he had a chance to make the team, Nils Longquist. I think he definitely had a chance to make the team, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. So a couple things I, I think on, on Nils Longquist, uh, I think the problem for that was he the thing that stood out to me the most from watching him play last year was how he was on the power play like that he had potential to be the quarterback on the power play but there's a problem Adam Fox is playing in front of him and nobody is nobody's better than Adam Fox on on our team I'm sorry that's just that's just how it is and if if Lundqvist gets a chance on another team I think he will be like their power play one quarterback defenseman like that's how that's how good he I thought he was grip it and rip it just very confident always wanted the puck wasn't afraid that's something that's something that's like I, you don't see like in me for me personally in terms of Rangers defenseman that I've watched play on the power play you don't see that often like and the Rangers have had like a couple in the past few years like D'Angelo and now Adam Fox and now Nils Lundqvist who is not going to get the chance. It's looking like, but yeah. And I also like what you said about how Jones and Schneider complement each other, and how Jones put on put on ten pounds. And that that might not make the biggest difference in the world, but I also said that he looked a little too skinny out there, like a little too a little too small, and needed him to get a little bit bigger because his skating is just unbelievable. But if he gets a little bit more a little more power behind his body checks, maybe he could win a a couple of puck battles here and there so it makes a makes a pretty big difference when you're making the breakout but yeah the size debate we've had over the past few weeks uh as a defenseman in today's game you got to be able to skate and schneider even being a big defenseman like he is is able to skate and so is jones so and also i did i i saw mercagliano was talking about uh matthew robertson um and how he's more like he's more built like schneider and would you mind would you mind Robertson making it out of camp if he blows Glenn Socks out of the water? Yeah, you know, I I I don't I don't <laughs> I don't have the whole Rangers roster memorized yeah. from top down, but yeah, he's another guy you kind of forget yeah. about. You know, they drafted him a few years ago. He's kind of more like a two way guy, a little bit bigger as, than Jones. 
Um, yeah, I think he can absolutely steal that sixth defenseman job as well. I don't think you should be – I mean, look how different the Rangers roster was from opening night to the end of the season. Obviously, you had the trade deadline. But, um, you know, Tenorti started opening night, but then it was Lundqvist, and then uh, Nemeth, and then Schneider. So I think the decor, especially that bottom pair, is going to change over the time, uh, over the season. Because if you look at Braden Schneider, when he came up, he was forced by or the organization. I mean, technically, the organization was forced to just play Schneider because he was playing so good down in <laughs> Hartford. You yeah. had to give him a chance. You had to. That's um, that's why I'm saying like these kids got to play their asses off in preseason so that they don't give like there's no chance that they're sitting. That's what I mean. Yeah, I was I was very shocked that they didn't bring up Zach Jones earlier because I thought he was playing incredible in Hartford. I mean, he was I racking he was up the points. Really well. Yeah, he he was racking up the points. He was playing a good defensive game. They were losing though, so maybe that was like the problem. I don't, they didn't even make the playoffs last year, Hartford, which was unfortunate. Um. But, yeah, I mean, Matthew Robertson would be a great candidate as well for that bottom pair. I also think that if Robertson makes it over Jones, then Jones probably goes down. I think he goes to the minors, but I also wouldn't rule out a trade because he's good enough to be on an NHL roster, and the Rangers could get something back for for Jones, too. It would make sense for for that. But if Jones makes it over Robertson, Robertson should definitely go down and should not be seventh defenseman because he's not ready to – I don't think he's ready to be – uh in the nhl yet unless he blows this blows the blows the the doors off in camp yeah we definitely got to see what preseason holds for these guys especially the younger guys who should be taking the next step in the development i also want to point out um zach jones he's he's a very good defenseman Mm -hmm. but um he i remember him in hartford like the way that he would just play it looked like he was just playing with so much more confidence you know like when you play with confidence obviously you know I think around you as well, it just elevates your game. But I really like that, you know, he didn't come out last year, asked for a trade when he got sent down. He didn't do what Leas yeah. Anderson did. Yep. He didn't do what Leas Anderson did. And he did exactly what Filipino did. I remember Filipino, like it's it's crazy to think about because it wasn't too long ago, but Filipino wasn't on the opening night. I'm pretty sure this is the year. He wasn't on the opening night roster in the 1920 season. Leas Anderson was. Filipino mm-hmm. went down for about a week in Hartford, maybe a week and a half, two weeks, a week, two weeks in Hartford under David Quinn. Um, obviously, he was the head coach of the Rangers, but he went down in Hartford, worked like crazy for the two weeks. I don't know if Leas Anderson got sent down, but Filipino got called up and he never looked back. That's what you do when you're yeah. a kid developing, trying to find your feet in professional hockey, especially over here in North America in the top two leagues in the world. Um, that's what you do, man. You work hard, and that's what happens. Filipino hasn't looked back to a minor league hockey since he didn't ask for a trade after he got sent down. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he worked for the two weeks. It was only two weeks he had to work. You know, he were, he obviously showed the coaching staff, and then he was back in the lineup. Yeah, and that's what fan favorites of, of years past have done. Zuccarello is an example under John Tortorella. Chris Kreider, again, under Torts and A.V., those yeah. are examples. Heedle again. And Zach Jones, I really love this. I, I'm glad you brought that up. But the quote from last year is specifically what I like about him is his attitude both last year and this year. Last year, this was his quote from the or Vince Mercogliano article. He said, quote, I think I deserve to play in the NHL, but if I get sent down, I'm not going to complain about it. I'm not going to be mad. I'm going to go down there and work as hard as I can to try to get myself back up to the NHL, end quote. That's that shows me he's hungry, and you can tell he not only wants to make it onto the roster opening night roster, 
that's his spot. He wants to own that spot and keep it for his own outright. And so I think the Rangers are waiting for him to take that spot, not just for someone to just luck into it, just find themselves there, like literally prove beyond a shadow of a doubt, like Schneider did last year, that, you know, this guy needs to be in the lineup every every single night. And Jones, with that attitude and the way he plays, he definitely has the potential. I could definitely see that happening. Yeah. You know what I also like too? Um, I heard earlier today that, um, you know, rookie camp's obviously underway. They have the games against Philadelphia, then their rookies this weekend. Um, Zach Jones was asked, like, dude, you're kind of old to be here. Not like saying that he's an old player, but like Zach Jones kind of like, he didn't have an attitude towards it, but like he was kind of like ticked off that he got asked that. He was like, I wanted to be here. You know, I wanted to be with like the rookies. And I wanted to be a leader for the rookies. Like to me, that's like, like this guy hasn't even made an NHL top spot yet. Like, like regular NHL spot. He wants to be a leader for the kids who he's competing against for that spot. I mean, to like, that's a great quote for that. He said today, and then he also he said he wanted to be here. Like he yeah. wants like he wants the coaching staff to see as much of him as possible. And you know, they obviously play the two games this weekend against the Flyers rookies. And I think if he could like dominate, that's a great sign. If he could dominate on the back end against Philadelphia this weekend, that'd be a great sign for Zach Jones. He also based on what he was saying, it almost seems like he's not taking it for granted that you know he's got the spot in the bag. Like he's here early so that he could, he also said, I want to get my legs under me. Like I want to get going as in like, this is a warm up for the warm up to the regular season. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I think Jones is taking every necessary step that he, all the necessary precautions to getting that, that spot. And I love it. And to me, maybe, okay. So this is my ice cold take of the week. A lot of people have gotten on me like, Joey, how the hell do you not have a favorite player yet on this team? I'm like, I have high standards, man. I don't know what to tell you, but if Zach Jones with this attitude can continues to do like whatever he's doing and makes a spot at it, out of uh, makes a team at an opening uh, at a preseason, I think he'll be my favorite player. I don't know. Cause I just love that. Zuccarello was my favorite player. I love the, the perseverance side of it. Callahan, Callahan too. Uh, like those are, those are my favorite players. And I have a, a huge bar like after those guys, you know what I mean? Like, no one stopped Zuccarello or Callahan for me. Absolutely. I love that. I love that pick. You know, that's a great pick. Um, if he makes the team. I, I love the I love the thought process behind that too, because it's so true. <laughs> you root for those guys who, you know, they're kind of like the underdog. You know, even Chris Kreider, he was sent down multiple times. Zuccarello, smaller guy, St. Louis, smaller guy, and Zach Jones oh. also. It's funny, smaller guy too. But yeah, I like that pick if if he makes the team. I like that. Yeah, I'm I'm like, I wanted to to come into existence. I'm like manifesting it right now. <laughs> um, another, another player that was became quickly became a fan favorite last year, like immediately after he was acquired was Tyler Ma. And unfortunately he just signed with the Ottawa senators one year deal, $1.35 million. And it sucks because he was such a great penalty killer. He fits in perfectly on this team, and it's it's just a shame that the Rangers just did not have enough cap space for him. No matter what you did, it the math just it was not going to work out. You just go talk to a hockey stat miner; he'll he will tell you. I asked him like after after the Rangers went after Carpenter, and you know they made their extensions to like Kako or whatever to Kravtsov. Like, can they still get it? And he responded with the Anakin Padme episode two meme, and no. Of course, they cannot. They could not. Um, 
If you go on cap friendly right now, I'll prove it to you. It currently shows the Rangers have exactly $1,008,531 in projected cap space. And that's not including Vitaly Kravtsov's contract, which is worth $875,000. But maybe they could have swapped Gauthier for Kravtsov and sent down a traded hunt. Then they could have signed Mott. But then the cap space would be, by my calculations, less than $500,000. And I don't think Chris Drury wanted to, to deal with that because you also have to factor in injuries when they happen because it's they're bound to happen 82 games is a bit too long of a season to not have any injuries yeah i think um it really stinks because out of all the guys they traded for i really would have liked to have kept tyler mott i thought he would have been a cheap option for the fourth line um but but you you hit the nail right on the head there wasn't enough money but I think I like sure they could have gotten rid of Barkley Goudreau, a modified no trade clause, 15 team, no trade list. Sure, they could have gotten rid of the three million. Boom, Tyler Mott right in. They like Goudreau, they like Ryan Reeves. Goudreau not, is too good, though. You yeah. can't trade Goudreau. That's They're bad. not, they can't do that. You can't give up guys just because you want to bring in another guy. It's just, it's not going to be possible. The see, the Julian, the, the Julian Gauthier situation is a little confusing. He was supposed to be gone four weeks ago, five weeks ago, and he hasn't been traded yet. I don't know what's happening. Let's see if he shows up to camp. We'll, I mean, that'd be great if he could show up to camp uh, and try to compete for a spot in the team. Cause I, I do like Julian Gauthier. I will have, will admit. Um, but yeah, you know, you, you bring in those guys and you fill out your bottom six and then, you know, you just don't have enough money. And it makes sense because look at the guys you're paying at the top who score goals, who do the really important things to win hockey games. And then, you know, like the Rangers bottom six, they brought in Carpenter for pretty cheap. And then they might have Blay now, Kraft's all bottom six, we'll see. So there might not even be a spot for Tyler Mott. So they were just going to say whatever. But what a lot of people, you know, I think not, they don't forget, but you, it kind of like, passes you and you kind of forget you forget um tyler mott had a serious injury had a serious upper body injury suffered in march so i think i believe it was march and then he was able to come after the playoffs which is fantastic i don't know if maybe they were concerned about him still possibly not being 100 percent healthy um that's just one of my you know, theories because 1.5 million, they could have gotten rid of you know, a guy like Gauthier's money. And then some, you know, they would have, I'm sure he would have worked them. If they really wanted to get Tyler Mott, I think there would have been money moved for him to come back. Yeah. And I, I like that you said that you like Gauthier because seemingly every Ranger fan hates him. I love his skill set still. I, I really, I, I just do. I don't know. I know he cannot finish to save his life, but he has, he was once a first round pick and he scored like 40 goals in juniors. He tore up the AHL. Like he scored at every league he's been in except for the NHL. But he just, I don't know. He draws penalties, so many penalties. And for a team that is so like potent on the power play, like the Rangers were this past year, having a guy like that might be like a, a difference maker at you know, you never know. I, I don't know. It's just having a guy like him around. I don't mind that they haven't traded him. And it's yeah, only, it's yeah. not even a million dollars, his contract. It's cheap. Yep. No, I, I, a lot of people tell me that I only like Gauthier because he did my, uh, he did my intro. I like, he has a cameo. <laughs> so I, I paid him like whatever it was. I don't remember how much it was, but I told him, I was like, Hey, can you just be like, Hey, it's Julian Gauthier from the New York Rangers and you're watching Saps. And he did. I, I mean, of course I love him for that, but I love the way that that guy plays. He reminds me, I talked about Capo Caco earlier, reminded me of Chris Kreider. 
But Julian Gauthier, man, that guy, his strength in his lower body, you can see it. He flies like Kreider. He's got that long stride like Chris Kreider. And it's funny because you were talking with Craig Berube last week. You know, you're doing everything right, but you're not finishing. And that happens, man. This is hockey. It's not like a perfect 100% analytic sport. And the analytics say that, you know, he should be finishing, but he definitely drives to the net, gets into those dirty areas in front of the net where he can potentially score goals. And he had, it was the Black Friday game against the Boston Bruins. He had two gorgeous assists in the third period, or maybe one in the second period, yeah. one in the third yeah. period. Like, the guy's got skill, and he you're 100% right. He was drafted in the first round. He wasn't drafted there for no reason. He reminds me kind of when Jimmy Vesey, ironically, first came into the NHL, was struggling to kind of bury the puck, and then he started going towards the front of the net. And, you know, he, I, I think Gauthier is kind of a better ha- puck carrier than Jimmy Vesey, but I think if Gauthier finds himself not not scoring goals, go to the front of the net. I don't think he did enough of that last year. I think that's why also his goal scoring was down a bit. Go to the front of the net. Good things will happen. Chris Kreider has made a living in front of the net. And, you know, I keep comparing the two, but look at Chris Kreider's game, the way that he uses his lower body, his long stride, gets into the offensive zone with or without the puck, and goes into the front of the net. I think if Gauthier can follow suit and go to the front of the net, I think he could definitely bury some more goals. Like 75 to like 90% of Kreider's 52 goals last year were all in front of the net. I, I feel like just all deflections and rebounds, like getting into the gritty areas of the, of the ice, like right in the crease. They weren't wrist shots from the, from the, from the dot. Like you're not a sniper. You're, you, you gotta, you gotta get to the net. I agree with you there. If he stands in front of the net, like sets up as a, as the screen, as a deflector, as the, the garbage collector in the front. Like, I think he, I think he could, um, you know, put some goals together. Like if he finished on like half of his chances, he'd have like at least 10 goals. That's how many chances he got. And Absolutely. also, I like that you brought up Ruby to the Ruby episode again uh, from last week. He also said, like, well, if you're getting a bunch of chances and you're not finishing, then, you know, eventually it's, it's, it's got to go in. It's got to go in. You can't just have a bunch of chances. Like, and he was almost I guess he was almost saying, like, put somebody else in there. I don't know. I don't know. And that's why people feel I guess that's why people feel the way they feel about Gauthier. And I don't think he sucks. 100 percent. I don't think he sucks. I just think that he's got he's got bad top luck. Yeah, I don't think he's. I think he's a good hockey player. He's, I think yeah. he's a good. You know, he's a good player. But you know, it's it's comes to a point where it's like, okay, I'm not scoring goals. You know, I'm obviously here to do more than just score goals. But I mean, I want to bury the puck once in a while. And I think going mm-hmm. to the net's the best way for any young player in the NHL. Go to the net, and good things will happen. Put the puck towards the net, and good things will happen as well. He had a couple assists last year. I was watching, you know, watching um, highlights, and I remember Goch. He he went to the net. Puck bounces off a defenseman, pounces off the goalie, and they bury it. And, you know, he ends up getting an assist. He really didn't do anything but just drive to the net, and he got an assist. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you get your cookies that way, and good things will happen. He's got to change that breakaway move of his. Like, he just he's, he hasn't scored on it on the, the forehand to the backhand. He's got to he's got to change that. And the dancing around the defender is, is great, but he's got to do something else with the puck after that. Like, he's got to. Do it a little earlier, I guess, maybe, and get off a wrist shot because just trying to deke it past the goalie, it hasn't worked yet. It yeah, has and not I, worked. I wonder if, um, you know, I wonder if he does shoot the puck. It kind of, I don't know if the rate, uh, if you know, teams have a scouting report on Julian Gauthier, but it seems like every time he's driving to the net after he gets around the defenseman. If mm-hmm. he shoots that puck earlier, maybe he's not. You know, the goalie's going to be surprised. 
And and listen to to the people listening at home that are like you know plugging their ears, don't want to hear anything about Goche. Just give him one more chance in preseason, and if it's like if if he's not cut out for the Rangers, then fine. He's not cut out for the Rangers. I feel I like agree. he could do. I think I feel like he could do some damage. I used to think like Ottawa would be a good team, but now they're like Ottawa's like starting to get stacked now. So I don't think Ottawa's a good fit for him. Seattle would probably be a good place for him to go to to get some playing time because I, I think how, he could yeah. be. I think he could be a really good player for a team or in Arizona, like a team that needs a goal scorer, someone that needs playing time. I think sure. he could do well for for a team like that. So. He's he's French Canadian. Why not Montreal? And Jeff Gordon liked him at one point, so why not Montreal's Montreal? Yeah, that's a pretty that's a pretty good one. Yeah, they yeah. they they could use somebody to fill out their lineup. Uh, I I wouldn't mind I wouldn't mind that. Um, but we'll get into we'll get into some baseball now. Uh, a lot of hockey. You know, football is hockey is about to start. Baseball is going crazy right now with. Uh, with the playoffs, the, the pennant races are coming down to it, and football has just started. And so that brings us to our DraftKings ad of the week. The NFL's open, opening week was action-packed, and it's just getting started. Get ready for week two of touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. If you want more action, everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings early win promotion. It's simple. This Sunday, bet on any NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code ICTPOD to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet. Place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code ICTPOD only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Remember, minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See our show notes for when this episode comes out for more details. All right, that's our first ever Ice Cold Takes uh, live ad read in history. You know, that's uh, <laughs> so you're here to to witness that. That's an honor. I would have yeah. I, I would have done it for you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I should have just here read this read this thing. Um, oh yeah, uh, we don't talk much about football on here because the Jets just make me cry. I don't know if that's your team or if the Giants are your team. Well, yeah, I'm not into football at all. Obviously, yeah. I, I would, oh, okay. you know, I, I would cover them a little bit, you know, if I was. But yeah. my dad, my father's father was a uh, he was a Cowboys fan, believe it or not. Okay. So I mean, I don't watch football at all, but I, I do say I'm a Cowboys fan. All right, there you go. But you do follow the Yankees, though, and yes, right. And so the for the longest time, the Mets and the Yankees were kings of the major leagues, like top of the standings. Both of them feel like it would just go back and forth: who's one, who's two. And then Dodgers started winning like crazy, like like nuts since the All Star break. It almost seemed like it was destined for a Mets Yankees World Series this year. I don't think that's going to happen this year. Um, Yankees have struggled mightily, like significantly since the All Star break. But in the past ten, they're like what eight and two. They're eight and two in the past ten games, and Judge is killing it. He should be AL MVP. That's coming from a Mets fan. Mets fan. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean the Yanks after after the All Star break in you know, July and August, they really you know they hit the dog days of the season. Um, they just weren't weren't hitting the ball well at all. And then you know honestly, recently the injury bug has hit them. You know Rizzo hasn't played in a bit. Lemayhew's out with the foot thing. Uh, Chapman, if you one of the more reliable guys, if you want to say, um, <laughs> in the bullpen, uh, he's hurt as well. Uh, half of their bullpen really went down over the course of the season. 
Um, but yeah, the Yankees are trying to get back, you know, into their winning ways. I think they're a good baseball team. I think they're, this is one of the better Yankees teams I've seen in a while. I think since that 2017 team, I think they're built to win a little differently than, uh, you know, those past teams were in the years that they obviously got eliminated by Houston. Um, but yeah, I like the way that the Yankees were constructed this year. I think they needed, you know, maybe a little more, uh, a little more hitting at some points, but I think they have enough hitters on the team to, you know, get that job done. Uh, Glaber Torres is starting to get hot now. It's a perfect time right before the postseason. So, uh, and obviously Aaron Judge, MVP. Yeah, no, the guy's having a season that none of us could ever forget. Judge has certainly played his – I talked to one of my friends about this, but, like, he, Judge played his cards so perfectly this year. Like, did not sign the extension, held out or whatever, and he's just having – uh, an historic season, and he's probably going to break the the Yankees club record for home runs in a season, and yeah. he's going to get a mega deal in in free agency. Honestly, I think the Yankees should should do whatever they can to to keep him. Uh, and also, you brought up Chapman, and um, I like to pay attention to what the broadcasters have to say. Like, I'm a huge Gary Keith and Ron fan. I love Howie Rose and Wayne Randazzo on the radio, but when that Subway series happened. I think it was the second game the Yankees had a lead late in the game and they just they they stuck to their the reliever who was already at like three innings pitched and probably over 50 pitches 30 40 50 pitches and they were the I forget if it was Howie or if it was Gary that said like Aaron Boone is just not even moving an inch in that dugout not even they not calling not calling the bullpen to get help or not even, not even bothering with Chapman. Like that's, is that really, I don't watch enough Yankees games to know, but is that how bad he's been? Yeah. I don't remember if I don't know. Remember if he was hurt at that time. I don't remember, but I don't, yeah, he's, he's done that though. A few times this season where all the Chapman sitting in the bullpen hasn't pitched in a couple days and you know, they don't go to him. Um, But you know, he, he's just, he's very unpredictable and he's, he's a wild pitcher. He throws hard. Um, He's got a good slider, but when those pitches aren't working and then he's just wild, it's it, it's bad news. And um, the, the Yankees have enough guys out of that bullpen to get the job done in the ninth, in my opinion. You know, before he got hurt, Michael King was a great option out of the bullpen. Mm-hmm. Um, Clark Schmidt, you know, uh, sorry, not Clark Schmidt, Clay Holmes. Um, I think he's been doing a really good job out of the bullpen as well. You know, Ron Marinaccio coming in now. Um I think he's a good pitcher, you know. So the, the Yankees have options out of the bullpen, you know. And like I said yeah. before, you know, half of their bullpen went down. Guys stepped up and now have spots on that bullpen because they stepped up and they were pitching so well. So, yeah, I mean, in the postseason, I'm not sure who's going to get the big innings, but, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it's not Chapman. That's one of those things where, like, the, over the past few years, I feel like compared to other teams, the Yankees have had a significantly more balanced and better overall bullpen than a lot of the other teams, like, a lot of teams, it's like, can they hold the lead? And the bullpen is the biggest, their biggest, like, Achilles heel. And the Yankees, over the past few years, I feel like, have had a solid enough bullpen. And the Mets, on the other hand, like, this year has kind of been iffy. Everything has kind of clicked for the majority of the season on all cylinders, like, from, from the lineup to Buck Showalter's manage, managerial decisions to, you know, the defense. Edwin Diaz has, has been great. Uh, Ottavino has been, I guess, okay. Um, I, I like Ottavino. He used to play for the Yankees. Um, it's been, it's been, it's been frustrating for, for me as a fan. Cause like over the past few games, like 
They've, the Mets have only won five of the last 12 games, and they've played the Nationals, the Pirates, and the Cubs. They're all losing teams. And I hate to be that guy to be, like, su- suddenly complaining when things aren't going their way. And But it's just a slump. That's what, that's what it is. I, I think the Yankees went through it, and I think the Mets were due for a slump because they were basically just on autopilot the entire year. 162 games is, is long. It's, yeah. it's a long schedule. Yeah. Uh, in, dull days are real in the baseball season. And abs- I think the Mets, I think, you know, it's funny because, you know, I'm not the Yankee fan to kind of like bash the Mets <laughs> and be like, oh, you know, like they're going to choke again. I think this Mets team this year is completely different than any other team they've had in the years that, you know, ever since their World Series appearance in 2015. I think this team is built differently. I think the players are there to win baseball games, not just set their own records and not do all that, worry about themselves. And they got a co- and they got a manager, Buck Showalter. And, I mean, the Yankees broadcast, they always say this. I don't know how 29 other teams pass on Buck Showalter. <laughs> that guy's one of the best managers in baseball, and he was the Yankees manager back in the 90s. I wasn't, you know, able to experience his greatness. But um, I think he's finally got a team who's got, like, insane skill. Like, the, the Mets this year, you know, they got Alonzo. He's a good ball player. But Lindor, who's sick. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they're, you know, the guys who are supposed to be playing well for the Mets are playing well. And I personally think that this is the best Mets team since 15. Obviously, they're going to make the postseason. And this is just the dog days. I really do. These are just the dog days. But the thing is, it's the teams that pull themselves out of the dog days in time for October. That's the team that's built differently. I think the Mets, I think Buck Showalter is there. I think he's the guy to do that. If if the Mets were able to, I think it's a lot, ha- has a lot to do with Buck Showalter. That's your ice cold take of the week. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> From a Yanks fan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like that. No, that's, that's right. I yeah. like that. I like that perspective. You know, when, when things are going bad, who's going to, you know, write the ship and turn it around. Like the whole team's got to come together and start hitting like the past in the three game series against the Cubs. I, I did some research, uh, ice cold takes, man. I did some research this time. In the three-game series against the Cubs, the Mets hit into four double plays, left 21 men on base, and were one for 15 with runners in scoring position. One for 15, and that's against one of the worst teams. Sounds like a Yankee stat. Right. So, you know, when not everybody is hitting, not a lot of winning is going to be done. I know the Mets, like, kind of slugged it out in a couple games against the Pirates and then against the Marlins the last two games. They did not look good at all against the Cubs and that DeGrom start was was so depressing because it was like you know it's the Lamborghini in the rundown house syndrome like that's that's what it that's what it is when when DeGrom starts he never gets run support and I hope that's not what makes him you know choose another team over the Mets in free agency I hope he stays I hope Steve Cohen offers him a blank check and that he doesn't leave but if he leaves i will 100 percent point to that as being reason number one for why degrom left no one's gonna offer more money than steve cohen for sure no one's got it and it's got to be because he wants to win and he doesn't think he could win here that's probably going to be the reason for for degrom if he leaves but that's what i need to see from the mets i need to see them pull themselves out of this rut that they're in it's an easy schedule too well you know what's funny it's it's I I don't really see it too much in baseball, and maybe that's just because there's so many games. They kind of you know they get um, there's so many games it's kind of oversaturated. You don't really look at it too much. But I realize in the NHL, you know the teams who have 100 points in the NHL, they're going the last couple weeks of the season. Um, 
they're playing, you know, let's say the Rangers, for example, last season, um, they'll play like Arizona, Montreal, Detroit, the teams who are finishing at the bottom of the league, they end up winning because the Rangers aren't the team to like, you know, they're not like looking down the opponent. They already have their spot locked up, but these young guys on these teams who aren't doing too well, they want to prove a spot and all that. I think that kind of theory goes into a lot of sports where a team, you know, they're over, they're already going to make the playoffs. Their season's done as well as the other team, you know, they're playing for spots next season or to, you know, give the coach an eye and like say, why can't I make this team next year? You know, so I really think it has to do, has a lot to do with that. Um, Because the Cubs aren't going to make the postseason this year. And there's, I'm sure there's a lot of guys on that team who want to be on the team next year. They want maybe an extension this year. You know, I'm playing my heart out for 162 games. And, you know, the Mets, you know, I'm not saying they had their spot locked up, but they're going to make the postseason. So, you know, I think it has a lot to do with that as well. I saw a lot of that from the Nationals players. Uh, in that series, like a lot of guys on that team all were like living up to whatever scouting report had gone in, had gone in before, like that, their potential, like Caber Ruiz or, or uh, Luis Garcia was just, was just torched the Mets that series. Like he was, he was great. Uh, Hernandez was great. Like their, their pitching was good enough and the Mets just had nothing to show for. Like they could not get anything going. Uh, also a lot of bad luck. I will say, I'll admit there has been a lot of bad luck, but I don't like to point to that as like a reason for, for them to lose like a couple bad calls here and there. Yeah. But like, you got to start hitting, man. Like you can't just, you can't go over, you can't leave, you can't go one for 15 with runners in scoring position and leave 21 guys on base in a three game series. Yeah. Come on now. Like winning teams don't do that. And fortunately for the, for the Mets, the Braves have also hit a roadblock seemingly the first time this year after winning like eight eight straight they've lost like four of their last five and uh so the divisions stayed close the yankees on the other hand what is that division lead now i think they're up by six i think right, so they're still by, yeah. so they by six yeah yeah so they still they still have uh some ground uh some space in front of them but that's like there's some good teams like toronto is good tampa bay is is still kicking around there yeah uh, not a fan of Boston, and I'm happy for Baltimore that they're, uh, you know, finally starting to be an average team. Yeah, for a little bit, I thought Baltimore might end up, you know, <laughs> becoming, uh, you know, one of the. I mean, I think they, I don't know if they still are in the spot, but they could have been a wild card team. They were in a wild card team at some point. Um, yeah, I'm happy for Baltimore. You know, they've been in this, you know, their rebuild for so long. Adley Rush being great player, I love the way that that kid plays. Um, I, I like the way that Adley Russian plays. He's going to be a huge piece for Baltimore going forward. I think this is a great season for Baltimore, no matter what happens. I think this is a great step forward. They're not at the bottom of the league anymore. Well, they, you know, for right now they're not. But, yeah, I like the way that Baltimore played this year. So for the big for the big hockey and baseball fans out there, what do you usually do when the playoffs, baseball playoffs start and hockey starts? Do you, do you do picture in picture? Do you have two separate screens? What do you do? Yeah, it's actually really funny because I've, for the last, like, month, ever since the NHL schedule came out, I realized that there was a um, a dilemma I have. Uh, opening night for the Rangers, October 11th, is the same day as ALDS Game 1. So, um, I have to make a decision. I haven't announced the decision yet. I'm still thinking about, you know, what to do. Um, I love going to open night. I think that is still on the table, that option uh, to go into open night. If I have to miss the first game of the division series, that's okay because I'll still be able to go to open night for the Rangers. 
Um, so that option's still on the table. I used I I think it was the first year I did the Yankees postseason. The Rangers played, and the Rangers same night. And I tried doing both in one video, and it was just like it was just um, like it was a complete mess. It's too chaotic. Um, yeah, yeah, it's... yeah I, there's no way. Even if I do like picture picture, or if I have two different cameras set up for different, it's just way too confusing. Doing one reaction video is is crazy enough. Um, but to do two is a little uh, it's a little difficult. But yeah, that decision will be made, and I'm sure I'll make an announcement when that decision's made. But October 11th is a dilemma because the Yankees should be playing. I'm hoping for rain. That would be nice. So I can go to the <laughs> Rangers, you know, it, and it's funny because I think of every scenario and my girlfriend Marie makes fun of me because she, uh, she didn't even think about this. And like, I'm so like nitpicky about things, but if the Yankees lose a division, God forbid they lose a the division, their first ALCS game could either be at Tampa or Toronto and weather doesn't affect that. So that's also in the back of my mind too. Oh Yeah. yeah. So, um, I'm, yeah, I'm hoping for rain on October 11th. So, is it uh, too early for it to snow? Um, <laughs> yeah, you got that right. That's a good point. You never know. Yeah. I mean, it was a little chilly today. I'm on the island, so it was a little chilly today. Yeah, <laughs> snow in September. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, I still haven't figured that stuff out with the uh, with the picture in picture. It's like when the Rangers were in the playoffs and baseball was just underway. Sorry, Mets, you take a backseat. Rangers playoff. Sorry, that's that's front and center. I'm Absolutely. Just, and the the run went it was so long for the Rangers that I hadn't I didn't touch the Mets for like over a month, like a, a month and a half, and I was just so out of the loop. Like I get back, I'm like, ah, all right, what's going on here? Like I have no idea who's up on this roster right now. Like I just I did, did not follow the standings, did not follow the, like the team at all, like none of it, none of it. Didn't watch highlights, nothing. Yeah, like it was that's... just all Rangers, and but like when it's base, it's man, it's gonna be so tough. It's gonna be I, really tough. It's the toughest decision I make throughout the year. It's like whether or not do I do. It. See, like the thing is with the Rangers, if like because the Rangers play October 11th, and then I think they have off, and then play 13, 14s in Minnesota, 14s in Winnipeg. I don't. If I have to miss those games for Yankees postseason, that's fine. I, I'm going to. I'm going to miss those games early in October. Throughout the month of October and until the Yankees are done, if the Yankees are playing, I'm doing the Yankees over the Rangers. It stinks, mm. but I'm going to do it just because it's the postseason. I don't do the Yankees during the regular season. I, I always say I'm going to, and I would love to. It's just so many games. It's it's a lot to keep track of. They played obscure times. I work, you know, like I have an actual yeah. I, I, I have yep. a job. So um it's really hard to cover the Yankees throughout the year, but I do watch them all the time. Um but for, but for opening night for the Rangers, it's going to be a tough one because I have a chance to be in the building. And I, it's the first game of the season, man, at the Garden against a team that knocked you out last year. How do I not try to go to it? How do I not at least react to the game? You know, it's it's going to be a tough decision, but we'll see. I, I don't know. I don't know what to decide yet, but I'm definitely going to be missing a few games in October for the Yankees this year. Yeah, that makes that makes sense for sure. Yeah, like if the Mets are in the playoffs, I'm definitely going to be watching. I'll watch them. I'll have them on there. Uh, I still have to figure out how I'm going to get MSG because nobody carries it here. Like I don't have, there's no, there's no Verizon Fios here where I live uh, in my area. There's no, I don't even know. Are you, are you from I'm New York? From, no, I'm from New Jersey actually. Oh, so, Jersey. Wait, yeah. really? They don't have MSG? Right. Yeah. Like I have Xfinity and they got rid of it last year. Oh, yep. that's yeah. tough. Oh yeah. man. In my Hoboken apartment, I did have Optimum though for when I was going to school at Stevens. So, um, okay. So I did have, I had that. So I was able to watch the Rangers 
there um, for the majority. And when I came home, I used MSG Go and signed into my my account, my Optimum account. And was I was gonna, to I was gonna suggest that, or even the ESPN Plus. That the, would you would it black you out? It there? does black it out. Yes, that's the thing. That's the thing because I'm in the New York market. Technically, it blacks yeah. out the games, which is unfortunate. That's terrible. They should try wow. to they should try to work out a deal with Xfinity customers because like. Oh, dude! I, I thought they were gonna. Ex- I thought they were gonna do that last year. I yeah. was like saying, "All right, yeah." So you guys ended it. So you're gonna get another one, right? Damn. Right? And yeah. then nothing. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So I got to figure something out. Someone said Stream Pass. Uh, I was thinking Fubo TV, NHL 66. Oh, I should probably not even because that's like illegal streaming. The streams, yeah. The, even... the streams are always an I'll, I'll re- option. <laughs> I'll, redi- I'll redact that comment. No, I'm not going to use that. <laughs> definitely gonna use that um but yeah uh yeah i don't i don't know we don't really use our cable much so i'm also thinking about like direct tv stream and just like just uh cancel our cable keep the phone and internet or just the internet because we don't even use the the phone in our house and and that's it and then just uh and then just have like the stream fubo i've heard good things about that i don't know yeah, I don't, I, I don't use, I only use, you know, MSG networks, and then I've, I've dabbled in the ESPN Plus a little bit. I like yeah. ESPN Plus. I'm able to watch out of market games all the time, which is awesome. You know, like it was always such a hassle to watch out of market games before I had, uh, you know, before ESPN Plus really came in. If Kevin Weeks was on every single ESPN Plus broadcast for the Rangers, I would move out of New Jersey like right now, and <laughs> I would actually, I would do whatever I could to like watch those games just to like, just to, to see him whatever call the games like i would i would change my address whatever like prematurely i would do whatever i would make up an address i i think i don't know if this is premature but i think kevin weeks is gonna go down as one of the was one of the best analysts to ever do it for the oh my gosh yeah i'll agree with you there like he's he's amazing he's incredible his personality his knowledge he's such a big inspiration to me he is so knowledgeable about the game of hockey it's impressive it's like it's like overwhelming almost of how much he knows about the nhl and how much he knows about hockey it really reminds me of like you know like I, you know, a lot of people get on Pierre Maguire. That guy knew everything about every single player. And he Pierre never Maguire even was played. so smart. Yeah, yeah Pierre Maguire was played. so smart. He was so smart. He knew every single player. He knew their hometown. Knew their knew, knew where they played minor hockey. And Weeks is very similar to that. Where and Weeks he played in the NHL. You know, Weeks he has that locker room, uh, you know, experience to where he could just talk about stuff. But I, I thought that was awesome that you got him on the show too. I love that episode. That was yeah. a great episode. That Thank was a, you. Thank he's you. so he's so just. His charisma, he's smart, you know, he, he flows with his words, you know, he's, he's awesome. He's, he's, he's hum- so cool. He's humble too, and he's like, he seems like a down-to-earth person for that hour that I was able to talk to him. And there is a reason why, like, I, I tried so hard to get him, and him in particular. Like, I had never gone that long, not even close with any of the other guests that I've done. Like, that's what I do. I, I tag people online and until they respond, and it's worked. It's worked. So I wasn't giving up on Kevin Weeks. I it got to a point where I went so long and I was just like, eh, no one's going to have a problem with it if I keep going. Now I'm already like 20 days into this thing. So here who's we go. Your, what's, who's an, what's that? Who's your next target? Ooh, good question. I got to figure that out. I don't even <laughs> have a guest lined up for next week. I, I was going to get Nick Fatiu, but um, something happened with him. Uh, uh, something came up, so we had to like reschedule. So maybe I could try for him again. Um, I don't really know. That's a good, that's a really good one. 
I'm thinking like I'd love Dubinsky to to come on the show. Sean Avery would be would be hilarious to talk to. Um, absolutely, Doobie would be a good one because I feel like the I mean unless it's just me, I feel like I don't hear about Dubinsky as much. Like, I mean, he's been on Twitter recently since his retirement, but before that, he didn't really like. He had a personality, but like not to one where you know I want to hear stories about him in the locker room. He had Tortorella twice, you know. What was that like? I would want to hear about that. Yeah, yeah I would I totally want to hear cool. about that. Yeah. Like that, that would be that would be nuts. Um, my on my bucket list at some point, I don't know when, but at some point, I would love to have Ryan Callahan on the show. Like that would be that would be incredible. Like I have, I have uh, like a, a poster. Oh wait, let me let me just let me get this. Hang on, I got it. I got to grab this. So, he was everyone's number one, huh? Cali, he's always doing it the right way. I have a poster of like, of uh, like, I have a poster of like made up of my my jersey. Oh, that's awesome! Up, like here. Like right next to Callahan because he he was my favorite player growing up. I just said that as you took the headphones off. I said it seems like everyone had a hold. On, he had a hold on everybody because he was my favorite too. Twenty four, yeah. right? He's always doing it the yeah. right way. It's there was something about Ryan Callahan that just made you as a fan gravitate towards him. And we were young, you know, we were young. We were young. We were impressionable, I guess, you know, in a way where you know. Your first memories of hockey, at least mine, were, were Ryan Callahan. You know, Ryan Callahan making the team, scoring goals, the four goals against the Flyers. He always I, – I was so disappointed when they traded him. I, really I know. Thought. I know. I was so disappointed too. But you know what? At least we got St. Louis back. At least St. Louis was – like that was a heartfelt story. That was yeah. just – like I felt, a, I felt a, a, a certain way about St. Louis too. Like he grew on me as uh, – as his career on the Rangers played out, especially during the, the playoffs. Like, um, and then, and then like learning more about his career, like as, as like he kept playing games, like when I did my own research into him, like how he was, was that guy that was told no a million times and still pushed himself to eventually become a hall of famer. Like that was just, that was what made me at St. Louis would be a great guest. I'd love to have him on. Uh, oh, that would be at, sick! At some, yeah. at some point, yeah, I would, I would love to talk to St. Louis about about like his career and stuff. That would be a good one. Um, Mike Johnson from the NHL Network. He was the guy before I was going after. Uh, I think Craig Berube. Who did I have? Oh, before Darius Kasparitis even. Um, he was the guy that I was at like day six or something like that, and then I just stopped doing it. Like I was just like, all right, whatever. Hang on, I got, I got Kasparitis. I have. I have um who did I have I had Ruby last week and then I got you and I was like that was like the most booked in advance I had been. I mean we're still <laughs> we're talking about like you know this is behind the scenes stuff like for for the listeners at home this is not even like just for like Rangers talk like this is how I schedule this stuff like sometimes it's difficult last minute I'll and then I'll just be like I'll just go to freaking uh base Shesty at the last minute like Andrew you do the podcast with me like i didn't get a guest this week or, or whatever and like that that's why i, I always have like a, a twitter guest on here and there i love i love my like my twitter friends that i have here like ak and and snags like those guys are great i don't know yeah. how, how much interaction you have with with guys on twitter but yeah i yeah. follow a few accounts um i try to stay off to i literally only go on twitter to just stay updated and yeah. um and to just tweet out my own stuff like i really don't try to interact with anything on twitter because it's just it's not the greatest place, but yeah, I understand. I understand that. Yeah, but 
that some I met some some pretty cool people on there. Like yeah. Drew Way is, is a guy I use a lot. Uh, Stat Boy Steven is like he's the go-to guy. Like if I need something, the, the guy is there for me, and it, I I'm so appreciative of him. He knows sure. so much about the game, yeah. about, about the Rangers. He like literally the guru. Like just knows every single stat. Has it pulled up on his computer? Has yeah, yeah. perspectives and stuff H- like him that. and stat miner are pretty good right hockey yeah, stat miner yeah he there. was yeah, yeah. yeah hockey stat miner was one yeah. of my favorites like he he was he was good i wanted him for such a long time and finally we were able to make something happen that was that was a good episode but yeah um i don't know who i want next though to to be honest i really i really don't i have to put a lot more thought into that it's a good one yeah um yeah but anyway saps this was great, man. Really appreciated having you on. This is a good episode, long one. Past couple episodes have been really short uh, for Ice Cold Take standards. An hour and twenty minutes, looking like over than that, over more than that. Uh, this is good. I appreciate you having me, Joey. Thank you so much. It was uh, it was pretty cool to be on a podcast. It was awesome. I love it. I love doing this stuff. <laughs> first time, first time on the podcast on a podcast. I did um, I did one for. I forgot. I, I forgot the name of it, but it was a few guys in Buffalo. Uh, they're Sabres fans, and they're also Yankee fans. They had me on uh, a couple of years ago. That was really fun too. I love. I love doing it. It was awesome. Um, you know, I've always wanted to do my own podcast, but like you know, you just. I like doing the channel. You know, I have my own channel. I like doing that kind of stuff. But the podcast world is fun, man. You can just talk to someone. I I, I really like it. Yep, and you know, you're always welcome back on here. We'll we'll have to get you back on uh, during the season at some point. <laughs> I appreciate that, Joey. All right, Ice Cold Takes fans, that does it for us here. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Hey, Rangers fans, thank you so much for listening to the Ice Cold Takes podcast this week. Make sure you follow at Ice Cold Takes Pod on Twitter to stay up to date with the latest Rangers info. See you all next week. Time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay.